what is holding you back from the power of salvation? That's the question that I want you to consider for a minute this morning. What is holding you personally back from the power of salvation? There's two ways to answer that. One, maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you have no assurance of salvation. Or maybe you, you're here and you don't even necessarily know that you want assurance of salvation. You're, you're kind of questioning this Christianity thing. You are, you're trying to discover what it's all about. And so I will ask you, if that's you, if you're in that boat, what is holding you back from the power of salvation? Why haven't you taken an initial step of faith in Jesus Christ? Why haven't you put your trust in him? And then for the rest of us, and I'm assuming this is the majority of us in this room who have made a step of faith, who have made a profession of faith and have made a step to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what is holding you back from the power of salvation? We've received salvation. God has saved us from our sins, from the penalty of our sins, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We know this intellectually. We know it spiritually. Most of us can say that we are saved by grace. Yet, it seems like we continue to struggle with the same old sins. Like we continue to wrestle with our old identity. That we continue to miss out on the power of salvation. As I talk with many people in our church and just many people in general, many Christians, they know that they've been set free from sin and from sin's power. And yet, sin seems to have its death grips into them. I think that's most of us. And so I want you to think, what's holding you back from the power of salvation? If salvation comes with power, if God works salvation out in our lives with great power, what's holding you back from experiencing that power? And then what can you do to move forward or to move into that power, to experience the Christian life with all the power, all the fullness that God has intended for you? What can you do? Just take a minute and think, what, what can you do to move forward into the power of God, into salvation's power? As we continue our series this morning, Portraits of the Faith, we come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, which says, By faith, the people, that's the Israelites, the people of God, they've been led out of Egypt. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This story is going to show some common factors as we look at the story of Israel crossing the Red Sea this morning. So that's the verse that we're led to in Hebrews, and it's going to lead us back to Exodus chapter 14. And as we look at the story and consider the story of God leading Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground, we are going to see some common factors that, hold, that held them back from the power of their salvation. And I think we're going to be able to identify with them Israel's story God parting the Red Sea and sending his people across on dry ground isn't just their story, it's our story. It's the story of the people of God. It's how God worked uniquely in that time frame thousands of years ago. But they are our people, we are their people, we are connected through God the Father and through Jesus the Son. And so Israel's story is our story. As we look at Israel's story, particularly the story of them crossing the Red Sea, I think we will find some common themes that will connect with us and help us to identify what it looks like for us to move ahead into the power of the salvation that God has worked for us. But in order to get the full effect, I want us to hear the story this morning. 
I don't want to just talk about the story. I want us to actually hear the story and to see the story in all of its glory. That's a beautiful story of redemption. The point of the story is found in Exodus chapter 14, verse 30. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. This incredible story of God's power at work is a story of redemption. It's the story of salvation, that God worked salvation for his people. He set the captives free. For those of you who don't know the story and those of us who know it but need a reminder, God's people, Israel, they were in captivity. They were, they were taken captive by the Egyptians. They were working as slaves for over 400 years. They were oppressed. They were beaten. They were held down. They were captives. And God has now worked to deliver his people, to, slave, to save them from slavery and bondage and oppression. He has worked mightily through the plagues and through the, through the um, first part of the book of Exodus. We see God work mightily to release the Israelites from Egypt. And now here we see him working mightily to part the Red Sea that they could walk through it on dry ground when the Egyptians, their, their, their captors, were chasing them to bring them back. It's a beautiful story of salvation. The point that we need to remember is that God saves. I think sometimes we forget this. In the Christian life, we go about our business, we go about our activity, and we try and do our devotions, we try and do church attendance, we try and serve on some kind of volunteer team, and we forget the power and the glory of God's salvation. Israel's story is our story if we believe in Jesus Christ. God set Israel free from bondage, from slavery. God has worked through his son Jesus to set you and I free from bondage and slavery. The same way that Israel was enslaved by the Egyptians, we naturally are enslaved by idols, by, by things or people who claim to be God who aren't the one true God. Pharaoh wanted to be God and so he enslaved God's people. Each of us have different things that rule in our lives, different things that aren't of God, that they may be good things that are given us by God, but they become God things, and, and, and we become slaves to them. They become our masters. And so as we see God setting his people free, God saving his people from bondage, from slavery, we need to remember that God in Jesus Christ sets us free. He did this incredible work for Israel, but but. Like us, rather than experiencing the power of that salvation, they whined, they complained, and they wanted to go back. Can you imagine 400 years of slavery? They were working as slaves, harsh conditions. They're working as slaves, and once they're freed, they want to go back. And isn't that often true for us, that, that God gives us this great salvation and early on we're excited about it and we find some new life in Jesus Christ, but then we, as Proverbs 26, 11 says, like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I don't know about you, but I find myself returning to things that I've been enslaved to, thinking that I'm going to find some new life there, some new joys there, rather than trusting the power of the salvation of God. Like Israel, I often find myself whining and complaining and doubting. I find myself living in fear rather than in freedom. 
wanting to go back to the slavery of which I once was, a part of not accepting the freedom. And so why did Israel whine and complain and want to go back? And why is that often our issue? I think there's some reasons that we see in this text. And so we're going to ask, what held Israel back? Why did they want to go back? What held them back? What held them from moving forward into the power of salvation that God had for them? The first one, they were flaky. They were just flaky people. Anyone able to identify with that? They were flaky people. Let's see this in the text. Um, If we go to the chapter before what was just read, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. So when they left Egypt, God freed them from Pharaoh's rule. Their, 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 their captivity, they're now out of captivity and they are free. They're free to go. Pharaoh says, go, get out of here. You are free. You are no longer slaves. Go. And so God, he doesn't lead them the quick and easy way. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. So there was this this path for them to get out of Egypt, an easy path, but it had to go through the Philistines, which would have meant war for them. God, knowing the people's flakiness, he said, if they experience war right after being released from slavery, they are going to want to turn and go back to Egypt. So I'm going to lead them away from war. I'm going to take them on a longer journey towards the Red Sea. God's gracious. He knows his people. He knows their flakiness. And he says, that I know they're going to be flaky in the future, but I'm going to give them some time. Okay, God says, I don't want to lead them out of Egypt and directly into a war because they are going to doubt my goodness. So rather, I will lead them away from where a war would happen. I'll lead them to the Red Sea. God knew the flaky nature of people. That although he had just done this mighty work of salvation and releasing them out of Egypt, they were flaky and they would instantly want to return to the slavery that they were once under. People are flaky. Israel was flaky. What holds us back from experiencing salvation's power? Our flaky nature. Secondly, their memory was clouded by fear. Now this, this happens when you try and remember things of the past and, and when you have fearful memories of the past, your memory is clouded. This is often why abuse victims go back to those who have abused them because their, their memory is clouded by fear. You can't think with sober judgment. You can't reason soundly. You can't make proper decisions. We see this happening here with Israel. Look at Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 through 12. So they're released. They're heading towards the Red Sea, and they come up against this Red Sea, and Pharaoh is coming behind them. So they're stuck. They're stuck between a sea and an angry mob army coming after them. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it is, because there are no, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? 
What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone, for we may serve the Egyptians. Their memories were clouded by fear. They're in a moment of fear. The sea is in front of them. There's an angry army behind them. And they're thinking, why did you, Moses, lead us out of slavery only to die in the wilderness? When you came to us in Egypt, didn't we say, let us stay? That's not what they said. Their memories have been changed in the midst of fear. They don't have sober-minded judgment. They're not thinking clearly. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. Let's hear what they actually said. So in a moment of fear, they didn't remember the past properly. They thought Egypt was fine when they were faced with fear. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. That's how they responded. They responded in worship when Moses came to the people in the midst of their slavery and said, God wants to work on your behalf and to get you out of this bondage, to get you out of this slavery. They responded with belief and they worshipped God. They were excited to be freed from Egypt. When Moses came with the good news, I'm going to get you out of slavery, they didn't say, well, we kind of like this slavery. They said, praise God, we believe, and they worshiped. But now, in the face of fear, they don't remember the past accordingly or appropriately, do they? They think that they wanted to stay in Egypt. Their memory was clouded by fear. They were unable to see and experience things clearly. Fear does this to us. It causes us to to, to think things that aren't true, to assume that things are going to go a certain way. Because the future was unknown to them, they wrongly remembered the past and wanted to return to it. Isn't this sometimes true of us in our Christian life? We can't see the future. We don't know what the future holds for us. And so sometimes we think that what we had in the past was better and we want to return to our old ways or return to things that are concrete and tangible, even if they're not the best for us. The bad that Israel saw in the past, their slavery, their oppression, the bad that they saw, the bad that they experienced, the bad that they knew was more powerful to them than the, good that, than the future good that was promised to them but they couldn't experience. Is this ever true for us? God has promises for us. God has this, this glorious future for us, but it's unseen to us. We don't know what the path holds between where I am today and where God's going to lead me in the future. And it may look like there's a Red Sea in front of us. And sometimes we think, I want to go back to the olden days where things were great but were clouded by fear of an unknown future. Israel was held back because they had fear of what they couldn't see, what they didn't know, what they couldn't control. They were so clouded by a fear of the future, even a fear of the future that God had in his hands, they were so fearful of a future that they couldn't control that they wanted to return to slavery as if slavery was better than trusting God for future promises and blessings. Our memories, like Israel's, is often clouded by fear. 
Also, they were held back because they simply forgot God's power, which caused them to fear man and circumstances rather than to fear God himself. And we see this here again in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. They feared. They forgot the power of God. They forgot the incredible miracles that God did to get them out of bondage, to get them out of slavery, to set them free from Egypt. They forgot. They they weren't dwelling their thoughts on that. They weren't remembering the power of God to save. Rather, they were looking at the circumstances. They were looking at the men, the, the army, the angry army behind them, and rightfully so. They should be terrified based off of circumstance and the men following them, should they not? I mean, they're up against the sea, and there's this angry mob of army chasing after them. And so fear is the proper human response. But fear and faith in God compete here. And they should have had faith. They should have remembered God's power to save. They were held back. They were held in fear. They, were, they, were, they continued to live in bondage because they forgot the amazing power of God's salvation. I think what we're seeing here is, is that God sets his people free. Objectively, he sets us free. In Jesus Christ, we've been set free. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. Here in this story, God set Israel free objectively from Egypt. They were gone. They were freed. Yet internally, they lived like slaves. They were slaves to their fear. They were slaves to the past. They were slaves to to, to their own reasoning and processing Because they couldn't see the future, because they couldn't control the future, they feared it. They feared circumstance and man rather than God. How many of us are held back by similar responses to God, by a flaky nature, or a memory that's clouded by fear of an unknown future, or just simply forgetting the powerful salvation of God, what he can do, what he has done, what he will do? Those are some things that we see holding Israel back. And now I want to look at how did they move forward? Because they did move forward, right? They did move forward. That's what Hebrews 11.29 tells us. Even though they were flaky, even though they were, they were slaves to fear, Hebrews 11.29 tells us that by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. So when they were stuck between the sea and the angry army coming after them, somehow faith did move them forward. What was it that empowered them to move forward in faith? I think we're told here in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. For us to move forward into salvation's power, for them to move forward into salvation's power, into what God had for them, for them to step out into the Red Sea and follow God on this journey, on this adventure of faith, they had to surrender their fear. They had to give it up. They had to stop thinking about the past and fearing the future and trust God by surrendering what was unknown to them, giving up their fear. They had to stand firm and watch God work. 
So verse 13, Moses said to them, fear not, they had to surrender their fear, stand firm and see the salvation of God. I love this passage. Stand firm and see the salvation of God. Stand firm and see God work. When we feel stuck in our spiritual lives, when, when we're stuck and we're not experiencing the salvation power of God or we're not moving forward in our Christian identity and Christian growth, how often are we busy trying to justify ourselves or trying to work out salvation in our own lives? Or we're busy trying to explain why things are a certain way. We're busy trying to justify why things are a certain way. We're trying to convince God of things. We're trying to convince other people of things about our spiritual life. And here they are told to stand firm. Just stand still and watch God work. Sometimes we try and do God's work for him, do we not? Anyone ever guilty of that? Thinking, well, things aren't going the way that I wish they were going. I'm not experiencing the power of salvation and so I better get to work because it's all up to me. I think in here we're seeing how God interacts with his people. He's saying, stand firm and watch me work. Look at what I'm doing. Watch my power in action. They moved forward by standing firm and watching God do his work. They also moved forward, this is my favorite one, by shutting up. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and listen. Look at what God says to them in verse 14. And the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you, you have only to be silent. How busy do we get in our Christian lives trying to fight the fight for the Lord? Trying to do his battles, trying to, trying to carry ourselves along in our own strength, in our own power. And God says, the Lord, I, Yahweh, will fight for you. You only need to be silent or to shut up. Israel had to stop talking. They had to stop justifying. They had to stop complaining as we heard them do in Exodus 14. Just be silent. Trust God. He knows the circumstances. I mean, Israel's, they're, they're trying, they're looking at the circumstances, they're looking at the army behind them and they're making all these excuses, they're making all these complaints. They're, they're complaining that God clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Why would he lead us out of slavery only to lead us up to this sea with an army behind us? They're going to kill us. And they're, they're, they're working themselves up into a spiritual frenzy because of the circumstances in front of them. And God says, I will fight for you. Be silent. Would you just be still? Would you trust me? Would you follow me? Would you let me work? They moved forward by stepping out. I mean, this is the practical action of faith, right? Faith is work in action. Look at verse 22 of Exodus 14. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. Can you imagine this? I mean, God's clearly doing something in them to give them faith to step forward and to step out into that sea. At its widest point, the Red Sea is 220 miles across and 10,000 feet deep. Nobody knows exactly where Israel crossed, but it's most likely believed that, they, that where they had to cross the Red Sea, it was nine miles across and 300 feet deep. 
And God blew a wind across the sea and parted the sea. And there's walls of water on both sides, nine miles, 300 feet deep. And then you make that a wall. I'm not great with math, but it's higher than 300 feet. Can you imagine this? Looking at a wall of water on the right and the left, you can't see the other side of this tunnel. They had to have faith in God and step out. We can't move forward into salvation's power. We can't move forward on our spiritual journey if we're not willing to take a risk and trust God. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of options, right? Because there's this angry mob and army coming behind them. And so it's either like, well, do we step into the sea or do we stand here and let the chariots kill us and the the army kill us? But they had to step. They had to walk. They had to move forward. As God did his work, as they stood firm, they stood on the seashore and they watched God. They watched this wind part the sea as they're standing silently waiting for God to work, watching God work. And then the time came for them to step out. That's how we move forward as well. We step forward. We step out into what God is calling us into as he leads. And then lastly, They move forward by exchanging the fear of man and circumstance for the fear of God. And this is kind of a result of this relationship that we have with God. Look at verse 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians. This is after God closed the sea on top of the Egyptians, Israel on the other side. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. We move forward by exchanging fear of man and circumstance for a holy, reverent respect and fear for the Lord God. You and I will never experience salvation's power if we are clinging to the past, if we fear the unknown, if we fear man, if we fear circumstance, if we're worried about what people think of us, if we're worried about our reputation, if we're worried about controlling things, we will never experience the power of salvation. This was Israel's journey. This was Israel's struggle. It's our journey, and it's our struggle. We must move forward the way that God led them forward by surrendering our fear to God, by standing firm and watching God work. Stand firm on what you know, And wait for God to do his work and to reveal what you don't know. And just stand quietly and wait. And as he does that, as he parts the metaphorical red seas in your life, wait and let him do that chaotic work and then step out in faith and follow him. And you will see that fearing man and fearing circumstance, fearing the things of earth, do not compare to fearing the glory and the power and the goodness of the Lord. And so what is holding you back from the power of salvation? Think about it for yourself this morning. Is it, is it fear of people? Is it fear of the unknown? Is it just an unwillingness to step out? Maybe, maybe you see the clear path. Maybe God has part of the metaphorical Red Sea in your life, but you're just stalling. You're not willing to walk into that uncomfortable space. What is holding you back from experiencing the full power of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. What can you do to move forward? 
I think this story gives us some examples of what we can do to move forward, but I want to just end with verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have to only be silent. Have you trusted God in that way? Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus comes and he shows us how God fights for us and we need to only be silent. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All of us were in captivity at some point. Many of us have been set free from that captivity, but we continue to look back at it. We continue to move towards it rather than away from it in freedom. Jesus has come to set us free. I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has worked that for you and I. He has set us free. This is our truth. It's true for those of us in Jesus Christ. God saves and he continues to save. And so will you move forward into salvation's power rather than looking back and holding on to the past? Will you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you allow him to set you free? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to surrender our fear. Lord, I I know many in this room have a fear of the future because we can't see it, we can't control it. I pray that we would surrender that to you. And many of us look back to the past and remember it improperly, we remember it wrongly. I pray that you would help us to move on into the future, trusting that you are good, that you know what you're doing. May we stand firm and watch you work. May we be silent. May we, may we just shut our mouths when we need to shut our mouth and listen to you and trust you. God, would you empower us to step out as you call us to step out, trusting that you will hold the sea apart for us to walk through on dry ground because you care for your children. And may we exchange our fear of man and circumstance for fear of you. Would would you increase our fear of you as our fear of the things of the world dissipates for it all pales in comparison to you. And may you nourish us now as we we remember how you worked salvation for us in the Lord Jesus, the one who came to set the captives free. We pray these things in your name. Amen.